This is a sort of Star Wars podcast. Welcome to a sort of Star Wars podcast, the podcast that is sort of about Star Wars and sort of about everything else. And tonight we have Matt Lehman here with us. Ooh, Hi, Matt. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Any um, any people you'd like to say hi to tonight, Matt? <laughs> I'd like to say hi to my lovely wife, Erin, and my beautiful nice. daughters, Jordan and Maddie. They're everything nice. to me. <laughs> I wouldn't be here without them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Erin, uh, this podcast is brought to you by the wonderful, coolest people in our galaxy, and Erin being one of them. Our patrons, thanks to Josh, John, Valerie, Tyler, Mots, Ali, Dan, Melissa, Tim, Casey, and Aaron Lehman. Thank you guys so much for your support. Nice. At least that list keeps growing. I know. It's awesome. I just uh, I just throw in some random names. Don't tell them. <laughs> Jessica, Annabelle, Mark, uh, Erica, uh, Ray, Poe, Finn. <laughs> Grogu. Grogu? Uh, just... <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Except that by the time this episode comes out, it will be... Chapter 14 will be out. So, anyways, if you want to hear all about Chapter 13, you have to listen back to our last episode. Okay. Not me and Matt's last episode. <laughs> me and Mike had an episode. that, As of the recording comes out tomorrow, but as of the release of this episode, it was two days ago. Okay. <laughs> When will then be now? (laughs) Soon. We just passed that. When? Just. (laughs) What's all that churning in public? (laughs) That is a Mr. Coffee. (laughs) Would you like some? Of course. Don't you always know that I drink coffee when I watch the radar? (laughs) Of course we do, sir. (laughs) Okay. So we are going to talk about the John Williams movies of the 90s. Okay. Focusing on three Kind of six movies. <laughs> well, like each three to six, <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> well, each movie that or each yeah each movie that we picked, the three that I picked, uh, all have either a sequel or prequels. So it's true. I guess they all have sequels. Sequels, yeah. Yes. So we are going to be talking about Home Alone, Jurassic Park. And, of course, because it's Star Wars, Phantom Menace. Very good. The best Star Wars movie to ever grace my face. <laughs> best Star Wars movie to ever come out in the in 90s. <laughs> <laughs> you have your opinions, I have mine. <laughs> uh, okay, but some of the um, honorable mentions, I'll say, ones that we didn't aren't going to talk about. That are also great movies with great soundtracks. Hook. Mm-hmm. Um, I concur. I think I've heard the theme from Schindler's List. Yes, I think if you heard um, it, you'd you'd recognize yeah. it. Yeah, I'm sure that Saving Private Ryan has a good soundtrack. Um, and I don't know what other ones. I don't know those were the other ones that I was considering doing, mm-hmm. but. It's Christmas time, so I had to do Home Alone. Absolutely. Uh, Star Wars, so I had to do Phantom Menace. And how can you not do Jurassic Park? You have to. Yeah. I mean, it, it created the modern day blockbuster. You got to. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. <laughs> so 
How old do you think I was when I first saw Jurassic Park? Seven. Seven? Yeah. I, that's, I was thinking around in there. So, like, Denver has been, like, really into dinosaurs. Yeah. And he's been watching the Lego Jurassic Parks okay. like crazy. Yeah. Um, which are, like, Jurassic World and stuff like that. And so every once in a while, I'll be like, Denver, do you want to watch Jurassic Park, the real one? <laughs> he's like, yeah. And I'm like, do you want to see dinosaurs eat people? <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> okay. You're not ready yet. <laughs> when you're ready to see dinosaurs eat people, then we can watch Then we can talk movie. about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. We're going to start off with Home Alone. Okay. All right. Um, so, one thing that I thought of right away, talking about Home Alone, um, was the main theme for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> um, but listening to the main theme, Matt, did you think of anything? Like, this is the first time I've listened to it for a while. And I watched the movie. And there's, like, the beginning part, which is, like, really, I don't know. It's kind of, like, Christmassy sounding. Mm-hmm. And then, it like, kind of moves to this part that's, like, very, like, eerie sounding. Mm-hmm. And immediately, I thought of Harry Potter. Okay. I'm like, this is so similar mm-hmm. to Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. If we were walking through the Wizarding World, like at Universal, oh, yeah. and that came on, mm-hmm. I don't know that it would like, like, I think it would be like, wait a minute. No, that's right. And then <laughs> right. and then keep yeah. walking and be like, yeah, exactly. Wait a minute. It sounds familiar. No, it's not. Oh, yeah. It's from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was kind of like, like, I'm expecting to someone to start singing double, double toil and trouble or something. <laughs> right. With some it frogs. Or yeah. Toads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just found that interesting. I never thought of that before. Mm-hmm. And this was many years before Harry Potter. Right. Well, um, when Home Alone came out in 94, right? Uh, let me check my list. Um, 90. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It was a full yeah. 10, 12 years then before Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter and was oh one, so yeah, eleven years. Okay, he was like nobody's gonna remember what I did eleven years ago. <laughs> well, I'll just take out some notes, add some notes, and it was like Friday, and he's like, "Oh, that was due today." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not. It, it's not. Um, oh shoot! I just blanked on the word. It's not plagiarism if I steal my own work, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I. You know, I was thinking. There's another part in there where I feel like it's like as I was watching the movie, there was a couple of parts where I was like, this feels like he tapped into like his Harrison or not Harrison Ford into his Indiana Jones Mm. vibe, you know, like, yeah, um, I think I think it was a sequence where he's like setting up the 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 traps and everything and some of the other things, too, like where. Like, especially when Kevin is on his own, it's just like, yeah, it's very Indiana Jones-ish. And and if you think about it, it makes sense because he's kind of like Indiana Jones if he was a 10-year-old boy left at home. 
You know what I mean? Well, I found it. Yeah, I found it so interesting. I think this is the first time that I thought about the transformation uh, between Kevin at the beginning and then when he's like, I have to be the band of the house now. Because at the beginning, he's like, he can't do anything for himself. And like, he's asking people to pack his bag and stuff like that. But then that's why people are so surprised that he can defend himself right. in this. So I have um, setting the trap right here. So it's like, I feel like he just kind of riffed off. I mean, I feel like he like Indiana Jones, Carol of the Bells. Does that yeah, make sense? That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's like a, it's like almost Carol of the Bells, but more like um, adventurous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, because you hear Carol of the Bells so much, like it's been done mm-hmm. so many different ways. It's been, you know, like you think about like TSL, Trans-Siberian Orchestra doing it, like completely like the the rock end of things, you know? Right. But then like this, it's just kind of like, yeah, it fits like an adventure movie, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think overall, I can't tell. I had a hard time deciding if the soundtrack by itself was Christmassy or if I just like make it Christmassy because it's a Christmas movie. But there's a lot of like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of piano and there's a lot of like higher pitched instruments um, that make it very Christmassy mm-hmm. sounding. Um, and I guess lots of strings like, I don't know. I, th- um, I think there's a lot of bells, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I th- that would make sense, too. I mean, I was thinking I thought it was I feel like having unique Christmas music is difficult to do just because there's so much already out there that's so well known right. like a lot of christmas movies just kind of maybe take an old song and and make it more contemporary to fit into mm-hmm. their movie but like yeah. a, a lot of what he did i mean he like he just played he riffed off of carol of the bells but then he did have some of his own unique things that i do think are i, I think they sound uniquely christmassy yeah I think if I had to narrow down what Christmas is, it's like those hand bells. Hand bells, yeah. yeah. Like I feel like that really sets it apart in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think back to our uh, eighth grade music class when we did a hand bell concert for the music or for the Christmas program. <laughs> I just think like you had twenty kids all trying to do hand bells, and I just think of how terrible that must have <laughs> sounded. <laughs> I'm, it's not doesn't surprise me that it didn't make it into the uh, home videos that mom kept. <laughs> I don't even know that I was there. I should have. Yeah, I remember though. we did that in music class for a long time. Yeah, with practice with those handbells. Yeah, um, but yeah, I agree. The bells make a big difference. Um, of course, I can't ever think of the. There's like the running through. The, the airport song, mm-hmm. which is the run, run, Rudolph, run, run, right? Yeah. Like I, I can't hear that without thinking about running through an airport and I can't run through an airport without thinking of <laughs> run, run, Rudolph. 
<laughs> but there's also that song that plays before that when they like wake up late and they're like trying to figure out um or they're trying to like get everything ready right. um which i think is called holiday flight Sounds like something that would play at like uh, the fireworks show or something, you know, like dun, 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 and then boom, yeah. boom, boom, yeah. Um, which is just like I can't listen to that song without getting anxious. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think of both of those songs. It's like yeah, like you hear them and it's like I need to be getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I need to do something now. I don't know what it is, but I'm late for it. Yeah, but I think it's a very. Uh, like it's a lot of different types of music. Like they throw in like a decent amount of like actual songs, mm-hmm. um, like rocking around the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that got more popular in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, and the run, run Rudolph and the Carol of the bells and Oh Holy night. But then he has a bunch of his own stuff in there too. Right. Which is interesting compared to like Jurassic park where it's like all John Williams originals. Right. Um, and of course, star Wars is all, uh, originals too so right. it's interesting to see a, a mixture of songs on the on the soundtrack mm-hmm. yeah no i thought i mean i don't know how again we've talked about this before how much of what he does and what the director does you know and, and how much each has an influence on it but i do think that um it was a nice mix of having different uh, like his own and also kind of new or like the his own stuff and then the the original songs and things that weren't his so right and kind of just tweaking them a little bit you know so yeah yeah like you can make this whole new song but make it kind of sound like carol the bells and it's like oh this song specific to this movie is very christmasy mm-hmm. even though it's only christmasy because it's in this christmas movie right like if it would come out in a summer movie would we think it's as Christmassy or is it just, yeah, it's just interesting to think about that. Yeah. I think some, I think a lot of these songs, if they were taken out of a Christmas movie, they would definitely have to be in some sort of, um, fantasy genre Mm -hmm. type movie, but I think it would fit. Like, I mean, there's nothing inherently Christmassy about Harry Potter. And yet if you take the music out of this, take his composition out of home alone and put it in a Harry Potter it probably in many cases would, would work fairly well. So yeah, yeah, I I do think that the sound would have to be in some sort of like almost fairy ish, you know, like magical bells again. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other thought that I had, like just listening to the whole soundtrack, um, there's a lot of places where I'm like, this is like, it's a lot of like sneaking type of music. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like the like the bad guys, you know, sneaking around the house. I don't know what's happening in all these songs or whatever. I just kind of like listen to it as I'm doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, this is very like. I remember when we studied in music uh, in elementary school or whatever. Peter and the Wolf. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who it's by, but um, some guy, <laughs> some Russian guy, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, um, and like a lot of the like sneaking type of parts of this soundtrack remind me of Peter and the Wolf. And I went back and I like listen to the main theme of Peter and the Wolf, I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of similar to that. It's just weird that that, like, came up in my mind. Yeah. It's like, 
it's just weird how music can just sound sneaky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When I think, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that, you know, the part of the reason that it sounds like that is he probably did some homework and said, okay, mm-hmm. you know, this is, it's not, I mean, Peter and the Wolf isn't necessarily Christmas, but it's like woods and snow and, mm-hmm. you know, a little, yeah. and it's like, I could probably use some of those themes in mine. Yeah. I think out of the whole soundtrack, I mean, I like the theme, but I think setting the trap is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like I could listen, like that would be just be on a Christmas soundtrack for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun and it's Christmassy sounding and that's probably my favorite one off the album. It doesn't make you anxious. <laughs> right. Yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, what do I need to do next? <laughs> I'm late for something. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts on Home Alone? No, it, it's it's just funny watching it now at 35 because, you know, like it has so much of like that movie is so much tied to a lot of my like, you know, growing up years, you know, like we mm-hmm. would get together. Like I always remember that was the movie that we would watch when we would go f- to Green Dragon in mm. Simon and in the Henry's van, you know, with right. Luke and Simon and. You know, it was just, it's just kind of interesting how it brings back those memories, you know? And yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to remember some of those things as you watch it. So, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of parts that I was forgetting about from this movie. Um, like with him going to the grocery store and stealing the toothbrush. Like, he has no idea. He's like, he asked him, is this toothbrush? What does he say? ADA approved by the <laughs> yeah. yeah American Dental Association. Yeah. She's like, oh, I don't know. He said, could you find out? Yeah. I'm like, oh my word! Like he has no clue what he's doing. Um, but there's no way that police officer would chase him the whole way through the park and down the street for a toothbrush. But yeah. Anyways, I just thought that was funny. Um, yeah, but I like that movie yeah. a lot. Um. Okay, let's move on to Jurassic Park. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> so this, it's hard because I love Star Wars so much, but this probably is my favorite John Williams theme, mm-hmm. which is, it's so hard for me to say. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making myself pick a favorite, but I love this one so much. Mm-hmm. When I was this, when I was watching the movie and kind of listening to the soundtrack, um, I kind of came to like this... It kind of dawned on me that there's like two themes. Mm-hmm. Like there's like the big grandiose theme, you know, like when they're in the helicopter and they're flying onto the island, which by the way, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. I like, I went on a whole. Isla Nublar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went on a whole rabbit trail whenever I was watching. I was like, was I, was I at this spot? Was I, you know, <laughs> like, where'd they film this? Um, but in any case, they, when they're flying in, you know, that's when you first hear the Jurassic Park theme. And you haven't even seen yes. anything yet. You're just flying right. into the island. And then, you know, they are going through the canyons and they land on the helicopter pad. That's where you first hear it.
I thought was so. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I was gonna say what I thought was interesting was that it's just kind of it worked at building up the anticipation. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, we're in this really unique place. You know, you're flying through these canyons and you're not quite sure what to expect, but it's going to be kind of crazy. You know, and then there's the second theme that plays. That's kind of it's it's kind of the same as the main theme, but it's a little it's softer and mm-hmm. more peaceful and graceful. And that's when they first see the Brachiosaurus. It's just interesting how it gives you, it makes you feel a lot and it makes, it feels mm-hmm. epic still, but it's a lot more, um, reverent almost, you know, I yeah. just thought it was, I just thought that was interesting. And, you, and I see that in a couple of different spots throughout the movie where like you have this big, you know, climactic theme that plays, you know, like that big one. And it's, you know, a lot oftentimes it's talking about what Hammond and his team have done to create this. Mm -hmm. And it's like kind of boast. It's almost like he's boasting about what he's been able to do. But then like the other, the other more reverent subtle theme is like almost like an homage to nature and right. And you know, like that nature finds a way, like it's almost like man can try to do what they want and they feel, you know, big and special about it. But at the end of the day, nature wins, and this is this is how nature is. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah. That's really what stuck out to me this time is those two things kind of playing off of each other. So. Yeah. So when I listen to the soundtrack, I the first track is the theme. And I listen to it, and it's that like slow, kind of softer. Like I feel like the tempo is actually slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you hear the whole theme, and it does get like loud, but it's not like it's it is kind of like just softer overall it's mm-hmm. got a softer feel to it mm-hmm. um and then there's a song called uh journey to the island which is the one where they're in the helicopter and it like starts off like really fun Um, like a helicopter ride would be. And then like, yeah, I think it's like, I like minute, like this is like an eight minute song. Right. Like, minute six, I think is when you like hear the Jurassic Park theme for the first time mm-hmm. um, in that song. And it like, it gets like really big and you're like, oh wow, this is like really exciting. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you haven't even seen anything yet in the movie. Right. Um, and then you understand why 
when you see the Brachiosaurus and they're like com- in complete awe mm-hmm. of what they're seeing, where it's like quieter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you got it right, exactly right there. Um, but yeah, I'd never, I'd, I thought, well, there's the Jurassic Park theme, but there is like, it's like two different ways that right. they present it to you. Right. Well, and what stuck out to me was like, I was at the end of the movie, I was waiting for that more, that softer, reverent theme to mm-hmm. come in again whenever they're in the helicopter flying away from the island. Right. But what I, I thought that that was in this movie, but that's not until the second movie or second or third movie. Yeah, I think it's the third one. When they're flying away in a helicopter and the pterodactyl or the right. pteranodon, pteranodon yeah. yeah, is flying beside them. And right. it's that same music where, again, it's yeah. like, you know, this is this is nature. This is Mother Earth. You know, like, right. we need to respect her or respect right nature you know type of a thing so yeah yeah i never really i never really noticed that before but it's yeah it's interesting because like as soon as you said about them flying i was like oh yeah that's from the third one uh because they break the bird cage Mm -hmm. um and that's right or yeah um but like whenever i hear the music i don't ever think of jurassic worlds at all like for some reason the music doesn't like like I'm like trying to think, is there a part of Jurassic World where I'm like, oh yeah, that's where the music plays, but I don't know. But the first three for sure, maybe that's just a time thing. Maybe mm-hmm. after I've watched the other ones more, it, that'll happen. But um, something about the first two specifically, um, that when you hear the music, you're like, oh, I can picture what's happening yeah. right now. Um, yeah. When I thought, you know, like Jurassic Jurassic Park is just such an interesting it's an interesting monster movie, if mm-hmm. you want to put it in that genre. Um, because, like, I always thought about, oh, my goodness, all these people have died, you know? Yeah. But if you do the body count, there's actually not that many, which is interesting. It, this has really nothing to do with the <laughs> the music, I guess, but it's just right. kind of struck me this time that, you know, it really only revolves around... Three scientists, lawyer. Yeah, well, what? Three <laughs> scientists, the you know Hammond, the lawyer, and then oh, oh, you mean like the whole story of like who the characters? I thought you were yeah. name like who got eaten. Yeah, the the park. Yeah, the the Ned, and then the Samuel Jackson character, and then the yeah. the park ranger, and then the kids. It's only ten people, right? You know, and and. Newman, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's it, isn't it? Samuel Jackson makes it, right? No, he doesn't. Remember, she oh, really? the arm falls on his short on her oh, shoulder. Right, yeah, that's right. Or you don't she... see him. You don't see him die. Right, but... and then and then the... he should have held on to his butt. Right, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he left go of his butt. <laughs> Clever I girl. If he ever said there's too many dinosaurs on this, t- <laughs> on this mother. Island, <laughs> <laughs> and then the park um, ranger guy dies too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, only ha- only five people. I mean, again, that, that sounds very harsh, but it's like, <laughs> like in your mind, you're just thinking like, oh, it's so many people, but it's only right. been five, and then like I feel like with each iteration of, except for um, Jurassic Park three. Like there's like a lot of people that are affected, you know, a lot more. Is there? In three? 
No, I'm in three. There's not. I was saying like oh, with oh, the oh, exception of three. three. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Lost World. Jurassic, yeah, Jurassic World probably had the most. Right. Yeah. But I mean, at that that makes sense because the park's actually open. So right. Yeah. I, exactly. It was just it's just an interesting observation, you know, because like. It, it did feel like I, I watched it this time and I realized it is a little bit more like a monster horror movie where there's like a small group of people that are kind of getting hunted. Right. You know, like it actually mm-hmm. has a lot of the tropes of a horror movie. Right. You know, because you're kind of watching and thinking, okay, who's next type of a right. thing, you know? <laughs> right. Um, it's like a, like a picture like Predator or something like that. Yeah. But instead of like, a small invisible alien well not small but you know it's a huge t-rex right right yeah yeah so it's just it was it had nothing to do with the movie it was just something that i noticed a little bit more this viewing about that was a little bit more of that sort of yeah in a lot of ways it fits better into a horror genre <laughs> than it does into like mm-hmm. an adventure genre <laughs> yeah so. I, I would put in like yeah horror or thriller yeah, no, horror is probably too strong. I'm just like kind of a lot of the the way right. a horror movie is set up is is similar. So yeah, well, I felt like uh, just listening to the soundtrack, it's like at well, at some points it's almost like every other track. One is like these real low horns are like. creepy and ominous and stuff like that and the next one they're like having a blast and the next one it's like very like majestic and you know (laughs) and then i'm like this soundtrack is so confused yeah um just like this i feel like the movie like the scientists that go along um like the three main scientists Mm -hmm. um like they don't know whether to be like in awe of what's happening or scared of what's happening right like they love it but at the same time they're like this shouldn't exist but I want to touch these animals, but we should destroy them. It's like they don't know how to feel, which is exactly how I felt the soundtrack was. Right. No, and I think that that's, uh, that's definitely true because you think about, you know, they go through the whole, they go through the ride where they learn about how they did the DNA thing and they get to hold mm-hmm. the raptor. Then they yeah. have lunch and they're all saying, well, I don't know that you should have done this. Yeah. And then they go into the park and that's where like... um yeah, he takes his glasses off and he's like, he's like can barely take his glasses off when yeah. he's like trying to he's like I can't believe his eyes. Well, and then he's like laying on the the triceratops, you know, listening right. to it breathe. So like you're right. It's like yay. Oh, yo. Right. Yay. Right. It's yeah. like I don't know, you're right. And and I think the the um soundtrack the score does a good job of making you feel that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh which going back to what you said about that room that they have lunch in. Oh, I would hate that so much. It's like strobing like screens all around you while you're trying to eat in this very dark table. I'm like, this is such a strange conference room. Right, like, right. It's just, yeah, very strange, very strange. Well, and I... Like, spared no expense. <laughs> spared no expense. <laughs> you know, the, one of the things that always has bugged me about the movie is the scene with the T-Rex whenever the power goes out. The very first scene with the T-Rex. Because, like, you see them, and, like, so where the car is, I, I can never 
quite understand how this paddock for the T-Rex is situated because because the kids are in the front car, right? Yeah. And they have the goat right in front of them, right? Um, they said at least the goat all it seems like the goat is right near them because he's looking at them with the glasses, so maybe it is right. far away. But like and then the T-Rex comes out and where he comes out of the paddock is where the car goes down, which is like a 40-foot right. drop. Yeah, yeah. That and kind I'm, of is confusing too. Um, like I've, I remember watching it like as a kid and being like, what? Like, what? <laughs> I'm confused. Where How, did this drop come from? Exactly. <laughs> and I can't, I still can't get it. And then the other scene. He left us. He left us. <laughs> well, like, oh, and I can hardly get through that scene where she's shining a flashlight at the eye. Oh, well, why would you do that? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. There's something about the Jurassic Park movies that they have to have super annoying children. It's just like, it's like, wait, we need a super annoying child to be in this one. <laughs> and like the first two like nailed it with the annoying kids, um, which I can't really, if I was 12 and a dinosaur was attacking me, I'd probably have some, some issues as well, but <laughs> Like, these kids are so annoying. <laughs> don't they just but, know that you don't? <laughs> That's better than the lawyer's one that runs into the bathroom. Yeah. It's like saying his Hail Mary's in there. <laughs> it's like, maybe it's the power trying to come back on. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but I never understood. So there's that classic scene. This just has nothing to do with the music. But that classic scene where the dinosaur is screaming where the T-Rex is chasing them and you can see them in the rearview mirror and like everyone knows it says objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Um, but in the mirror, the object is like right there like <laughs> on the mirror. Yeah. Like it's like so close, but the T-Rex isn't really that close. So I'm like, it's like a very like everybody knows that scene, but to me it doesn't actually make sense. Right. Because if the object is closer, that means that they would be, he, he would be biting them. Right. <laughs> so... It always bothered me. <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, I watched that too, that same scene, and I think, okay, it doesn't take that much time to get up to 45 miles an hour, which mm-hmm. is the top speed of a T-Rex. Yeah. And they're on, a, they're on a flat road, you know, I know that it's dirt, so it probably takes a little bit more time, but still, like, I'm thinking yeah. it's way too long. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. But then I watched it this time, and I, I realized that... Malcolm jumps off of the back seat and jumps onto the gear shift and um, actually throws it back into second because it was so it's like as fast as they can go yeah well yeah like because you hear the you hear the downshift happen or you uh, hear like okay. it kind of like huh. um so because then the park ranger guy has you know get off the I need to shift and everything uh, okay. and it's at that point where like he hits the where the T-Rex hits it with his head and everything. Oh. So, so like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. But the other scene I don't get, if I don't know, and again, we can move on after this one, but it was the one where, so she finally gets all the power back on. Mm-hmm. She's being chased by the raptors, and she runs out through the same gate she's had to run through to get away from the other raptor. And she slams it behind her, and then she's like, Phew. I'm thinking... You're just right back where the guy, where the park ranger guy uh, got eaten, right? Who you mean, Samuel Jackson? Oh no. no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, she's not like safe. Yeah, 
right? But I think she just is relieving, relieved because she trapped that one in there. I right? guess. If I'm thinking, it's it's been a minute since I've seen it. I mean, it's probably been a month since I've seen it last. Um, but you but, know, like, so he, she's with the park rangers. So they're going to the hut to to switch everything. Right. Yeah. And he says we're being hunted. And right. He tells her to run, and she runs, and she run, jumps over all those logs, and then goes through the gate. And then into that paddock, and then she right. or into that hut or whatever. She does what that, and then she gets chased out. Um, Samuel Jackson's in there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It was just some of those. Yeah, things. you're right. That's that's right where the guy got. That's the right. Park yeah. ranger guy just got killed. Right. Yeah. Um. Any other plot holes we want to look? At? <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely no plot holes in the music. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, that's. I don't think I had much other. I mean, it's just like every time I hear the theme, oh, I just love it. I feel like somehow I'm experiencing what they're experiencing mm-hmm. and like the how grand it is to see these things, but I've never seen them. Right. So, when I think, yeah, it does. I, I like your point too about that conflict. The con, yeah, confliction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the conflicted feelings that they're having. Like I hadn't necessarily thought about that before, but yeah, it's definitely there because it's like, woohoo, yeah, this is so great. And then it's like, right. then you have kind of that, like you said, the kind of eerie music because yeah. of how dangerous it is and everything. So yeah. Um. Okay. So moving on mm-hmm. to Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So, of course, we've talked about Star Wars, so I'm not going to talk about the regular Star Wars songs. But this one has Duel of the oh, Fates. Okay. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to talk about like the main theme and the Force theme, and mm-hmm. you know we've talked about those already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Duel of the Fates, I mean, I know a lot of people think it's like the best song ever, and I love it so much. It's just got like, it's got, it like starts off so strong with that like choral singing, you know, mm-hmm. that like. You have no idea what you're saying. Have you ever seen those <coughs> videos on YouTube where like those like subtitles? That's the words. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Because once you, like as you're reading it, you're like, yeah, that's what they're saying. They're yeah. definitely saying like baked corn. Yeah. On Cheeseburger. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but oh my word, I love that song so much. Well, and um, I just I I didn't have time to watch the whole movie again, so I really just started from the scene where um the doors open with darth maul so it's like uh, okay and it's I right when that it starts yeah yeah because I, I what i love so much about duel of the fates is it i feel like it really does a good job of building like it mm-hmm. like when it opens it's like that right it's like okay yeah so yeah i It's got like different parts to it. So it's got like that really fast 
like you were just saying mm-hmm. but then that chorus part is just like it's i would say it's very epic mm-hmm. i don't know something about it i know that song came out before the music or before the movie came out it was like, in it the was trailer like, wasn't it maybe oh, maybe, maybe it, it was i'm not sure um but i know like they were playing it on the radio and stuff like that and like for it just boggles my mind that like a a song from a movie that hasn't come out yet would be popular on the radio. Right. Very strange. But it is. It is. I'm trying to think if I've ever heard an instrumental song from a movie on the radio. I don't think I ever have. But I don't know. You don't. Not don't on like. I mean, not on like a popular or like you know the a pop. Right. Station or or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would say that song. I mean, it was my favorite. Uh, Star Wars song for a long time and it still has like a lot of like nostalgic ties to it when mm-hmm. I hear it and mm-hmm. I like it and I enjoy it um, probably some more recent ones I don't know it it's so interesting that probably my favorite Star Wars song right now I'll say is that Rise of Skywalker trailer music which John Williams didn't even write right <laughs> um, which I think it, I'm not sure if it's Samuel Kim or not that wrote it I'm not sure well, but that's I mean, the one that I listen to on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, this is so good. It's like it's all John Williams stuff, just like right. arranged differently. Right. Um, but oh, I love that one so much. It's like not that it's like John Williams on like steroids, but somebody who knows how to use them well. <laughs> yeah. Someone who is uh, responsibly using steroids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no i that one is that one's very good uh, i agree i i think what i really appreciated about duel of fates was he didn't he didn't just say this is a another star wars movie i'm just going to kind of keep doing what i've done before mm-hmm. like it and it, it doesn't sound like anything from the original trilogy Right, exactly. which, which I think would have taken a lot of self discipline to do. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? And yep. and I mean, like when that music comes on, everybody can picture those purple like pillars, you know, right. and the red, blue, and green lightsabers, mm-hmm. you know, and just like this epic kind of like battle, you know. And yeah. and when you when you watch it, like in the movie, it actually is. There's a lot of flipping back and forth between mm-hmm. that duel, you know, what's happening with Amidala trying to get to the throne room and right. even some and of the, the dro- fight. Yeah, the fight and on like with the Gungans and the droids. Right. As well as the space battle. It's, there's like four different things right. happening all at once. Right. Which right. Star Wars is great at doing that. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say one of the things, one of the battles or one of the themes that stuck out to me from one of those battles was the droid armies. Like I... Remember, I don't know that I ever thought of it being a theme, but I feel like there's definitely a theme for the droid army. I can, like, when I hear it, I picture, like, all of them, like, rolling out with their huge tanks and droid transports like over like the hills of mm-hmm. Naboo and stuff like that. Yeah. Um getting ready to fight uh the Gunyans. But 
Um, one of the themes that I think I thought about maybe for the first time rewatching it, which I tried to rewatch it twice. And uh, the one time it was me and Mel. And I think she didn't care about the movie <laughs> at all. I mean, she didn't say that we should stop watching it, but I was like, we'll put something else on. <laughs> and then and then I tried to watch it the next day uh, with the kids, and we got about halfway through, and then they were just done with it. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch this another time, and then I didn't f- finish rewatching it. But um, Anakin's theme. Um, it's just like so interesting to me the contrast between Anakin's theme and the Imperial March, which would be Vader's theme, because mm-hmm. it's the same person but so different. Um, and like you hear Anakin's theme, it's like so peaceful, and it's like it reminds me of Anakin as a nine-year-old, where mm-hmm. like Jake Lloyd. Say what you about Jake Lloyd's performance, but I think he did a great job of being a kind caring generous nine-year-old mm-hmm. and some of the lines he say might be kind of cheesy or not well delivered but um i think the song goes so well with how he acts like right he truly is like i forget what shmi says about him but like he only cares for others mm-hmm. he never thinks of himself and which is so different from anakin in revenge of the sith mm-hmm. it's just I was talking to a guy today at work about how uh, all the issues with Star Wars, I say I blame Obi-Wan and Mace Windu. <laughs> and he says that he blames Qui-Gon Jinn because he's the one that actually wanted to train Anakin to begin with, mm-hmm. even though all the other Jedi Council people were like, no, 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 don't train him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he turned out to be their downfall, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just interest- it's just interesting to think the difference between nine-year-old Anakin and what would have happened if he would have stayed on Tatooine um, compared to what did happen right would he have stayed this nice boy who likes to help people and um, would like help his mom out and stuff like that and um, yeah it was just amazing how different going to the Jedi Academy made him right so no I you know and I think you know the the music helps us understand who they are as people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Anakin is, you know, he there's a lot of complexity there that it's hard to get across in a story that's not necessarily meant to tell it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like you're trying to ask a character to tell a story that's going to be in a dramatic Oscar type rated R movie. That's the kind of character you're trying to create, you know, with Anakin to Darth Vader. Right. And it's, it's really hard to tell that story in a, in a PG kid friendly (laughs) fun movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's going to come, it's often going to come across as stilted or shallow or, or whatever because you're really just using very basic things to 
move the story along and kind of transform the character. It's just a really right. hard thing to do. Well, um, it's, cause it's like, yeah, go ahead. I was just, it's like, it, it makes my mind. It's crazy to think that George Lucas, when he sees Darth Vader can picture him as a nine year old, as this kid. That's what makes me kind of go crazy because like when I would picture, I'm taking Darth Vader and I'm rewinding him to nine years old. I'm like, okay, he's rebellious. He's spray painting trains. He skateboards for sure. Skateboards. (laughs) He's a Mohawk. You know, it's just like a very, you picture like a very troublesome kid, Mm -hmm. kind of like how we see or parts of how we see Ben uh, or Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. Mm -hmm. where like, there's like, this darkness within him that he's trying to keep out. Mm-hmm. But that's what you would think that Anakin would be like, but you rewind to when he's nine years old and he's not like that at all. He's like right. the most pure spirited kid that you could meet in a terrible and well, not very favorable environment to grow up in. Right. But he's very optimistic. Um, it's just, yeah. Interesting to think how you can picture them going the total opposite. Well, I think what's interesting and I think that, this is what Lucas was trying to do is that I think he was trying to um, show that you don't end up being a Vader by being the troubled kid. Right. You know, and, and I think we all know that, you know, like nobody at nine years old thinks <laughs> I'm going to be the ultimate villain, you know, of a galaxy or, you uh. know, I think Draco was nine when he figured that out. <laughs> but I think, well, you know, even at the end, I don't think Draco wanted to be that ultimately. No, yeah, but yeah. that's. But I think you know, I that you know, you you get there through. You get there through these steps that once you look back and you you realize there's different decision points. You're like, why did I do that? You know, mm-hmm. and like, I'm here now, so I have to like. You know. And so I think that that's, it. like I said, it's just really hard to do that in a adventure right. movie because it's for not kids. what it's, yeah, for kids, yeah. it's not what it's trying to, that's not the point of it. And I think that that's what Star Wars fans that, you know, that's what they wanted. Um, yeah. And, and I think that there is, I think there's room for that. I, I do. I mean, we've talked about it before that there, it'd be interesting to see you know, Vader's care, like a whole series, you know, that's kind of pushes the boundaries of Disney and, and Star mm-hmm. Wars, you know, to see Vader become who he actually is. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that would be interesting. Um, I don't think it will ever happen because right. it's not really their MO, but I think right. that it's, it'd be interesting to see because I think it would be really helpful to understand him. I think the movies just don't do, do, do a good job of that, but yeah, I think I I do I think Duel of the Fates. You know, as you're watching it, you do like I don't think I've ever looked at it the way that like Dave Phil Filoni yeah, explained it. But once once he explained it, I was like, yeah, you know. And then I think that to me, it makes that music even feel more mm-hmm. intense, you know, and more weighted because of yeah. what the outcome could be. Yeah, that was when he explained that. Um, about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and like they're fighting for him basically. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, I had never, ever thought of that. And that's just 
I guess I'll never direct a Star Wars. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's, you know, and I think that's where we have some really good potential as Star Wars fans in the future for what, you know, what's happening in the Mandalorian mm-hmm. series. You oh, know? yeah. Because um, I had mentioned that in our, in our Discord that, you know, I feel like Ahsoka was faced with the same thing, mm-hmm. a similar decision. And she chose differently. Like she yeah. didn't do what Obi Wan chose to do. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't think I I would agree with you. I don't think that it was Obi Wan's fault. Obi Wan did as much as he can. It's just not what Anakin needed. Needed. Yeah. 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 So I I think it's I think what I've learned to appreciate about Phantom Menace is how it sets up our understanding that. There is no necess- There's not a necessarily a, a a cut and dry good and bad, you know. Like Anakin becomes Darth Vader, but why does he become Darth Vader so that he can save Padme, which is ultimately a good thing to right. do. Right. But the Jedi pushed him to the dark side because they continue to force him to not. Um, they continue to force him to not trust his feelings, to not you mm-hmm. know, and they they pushed him away from you know, relation, you know, close relationships and, and being able to trust in those. And, and so that even like the good guys aren't necessarily good at being good guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like, think of, even like Yoda, I think of that scene and this, we're getting so far away from the music, but yeah, that's what we <laughs> tend to do with star Wars stuff. Um, I think of that scene where it's in revenge of the Sith and he's like having these nightmares about his mom. Right. And, and he goes to Yoda about it. And Yoda basically is like, no, 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 no. Don't feel that. Right. <laughs> it's like, don't let those, don't think about those feelings. Push them down and don't ever think about them again. It's like, no, you need to like, if you have feelings like that, you can't just push them down. Like yeah. any wise person will tell you how to like work through them. You got to get them out so they don't create issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like that frustrates me so much. Like, when I was 13 and the movie came out or whatever, however old I was, I didn't care about that scene. Right. But now that, now that I watch it, I'm like, you guys messed up Anakin so bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like you never dealt with anyone who had emotions before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. But to try to bring it back to the music, I do think that the, like the music there, like from when the doors open and Darth Maul is there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to the scene where they finally, like, you know, have the duel and Qui-Gon gets stabbed and Obi-Wan wins. You know, it's like, I do, like, you can, you can feel that tension kind of Mm -hmm. continue to grow. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that what I've always appreciated about that is, like, I can, I can, when I watch Phantom Menace, I'll watch the pod racing scene because I think that that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll skip all the way to when those <laughs> doors open for Darth Maul just because I feel like those are the, I, I don't know, because I, I feel like that's something that's fresh and new and unique to that movie. And yeah. it's, and a lot of it is because of that, the music that's there and just creates that, that scene for you. There's um one thing I want you to listen to.
So, did that sound like anything? Like, what did that make you think of right away? Kylo. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. But it is from The Phantom Menace. Okay. And it's such like a random part of the movie. It's when they're looking for a place to land because their hyper drive is leaking. And the queen's ship comes out and lands on Tatooine. And like, there's like ship noises and other stuff going on. But I listened to the soundtrack. And I was actually listening to it at, at work. I was there by myself and I just had it like blaring while I was working. Yeah. And I went away from my desk and I heard just those notes. I'm like, what? why is Kylo's theme in Phantom Menace? And I ran back and I'm like, arrival at Tatooine and flag parade. <laughs> like, wait, what is happening here? <laughs> and so then when I watched, I watched the movie, I'm like, yeah, it's just when the Queen's ship is landing on Tatooine. Interesting. And like, you, you hear all this like air and the ship noises. And then in the background, you hear this. Da, da, da. And I'm like, that is so similar to Kylo's theme. I don't know why. That is, like, that is Kylo's theme, though. <laughs> yeah, it's. I never heard that before. And that was one thing. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. So again, I, it's not plagiarism if it's your own music. <laughs> exactly. No. Um, I was, go ahead. I was like the only uh, the only other thing I could think of from the Phantom Menace that I really liked. If we're still on that. <laughs> Is the is the celebration at the end? Yeah. I feel like I feel like George or yeah George Lucas. I feel like John Williams nails the celebration scenes <laughs> yeah it's such a strange it's such a strange song title uh augie's great municipal band <laughs> who is augie i don't know <laughs> this is augie's great municipal band it's like municipal like, isn't that like police like yeah. isn't that like government somehow like i don't know like from what? wonder <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what augie <laughs> All these great municipal band and end credits, but that's the like the which apparently yeah. is like the emperor's theme, like sped up and two octaves higher or something like that. Have you ever heard that? No. That yeah, it's the same. It's the same notes as the emperor's theme, just like really sped up and like changed pitch. Um, huh. Well, the emperor's theme little... is so slow, but yeah. Again, interesting. It's not plagiarism if it's your own work. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll just take this and fast forward it a little bit. <laughs> um, something that I always think about with this uh, soundtrack, and it's not something that happened to me, but I've heard of other people having this story when they were when this movie was coming out and they were a bit older, and like the soundtrack came out before the movie did, um, maybe only like a week before the movie or something like that. And there's a song on here. Uh, people are listening to the soundtrack and they have all the track titles. And there's a song called Qui-Gon's Noble End. <laughs> it's just like, come on, John. Could you come up with a different name for it? Especially if you're going to come out with the album before the movie yeah. comes out. Like, everyone knew. Every, like, the big fans knew that Qui-Gon was going to die. Because yeah. there's a track title called Qui-Gon's Noble End. It's like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> but, yeah, that always makes me smile. Qui-Gon's Demise. <laughs> yeah. They should just, like, throw stuff in there. Like, just to, like fake people out yeah that that would have been funny to say like obi Obi obi-wan's obi-wan's death scene yeah (laughs) um one other thing i did notice watching the movie like i said i only got like 
halfway or a little bit more than halfway through it maybe was um, the force theme does play several times. I noticed three times um, just with Anakin. So like mm-hmm. um, the first time you hear the force theme in this movie is when uh, Qui-Gon is talking to Shmi about Anakin's dad. Um, and she was like, there was no father. I, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, you mm-hmm. can hear the force theme right there. So they're talking about yeah. Anakin. And the next time you hear it um, is when Qui-Gon was when um, Anakin's about to race in the pod race. And Anakin's like, or I mean, uh, Qui-Gon's like, just feel, don't think, um, you know, basically telling him, use the force. The same thing like mm-hmm. Obi-Wan tells Luke in the original you know, when he's teaching him the force. Right. Um, and then you hear the force theme play right then. Mm-hmm. And then the third time I heard it was when Anakin is leaving home. Um, it's like that music as he's like walking away uh, from his house and from his mom. Uh, I just thought it was okay. interesting how they, it's just those couple notes they throw in there. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I didn't watch the rest of the movie this time. Um, it's probably thrown in there some other times when he's flying the starfighter, but it's all Anakin points you know it's all mm-hmm. it's always when it's anakin um so i just thought that was interesting something i hadn't thought about before yeah but. now i i i've always appreciated the way that um lucas and williams used music to tell the story mm-hmm. yeah. um because i feel like even in i mean in those subtle ways and then in other scenes where it it's not just something to make you feel, but actually is like, in some cases it's dropping hints or it's mm-hmm. kind of saying, this is what's happening. It, it, you see what's happening, but this is also what's happening kind of underneath what you, you know, right inside the person. Right. Um, and so I feel like I know that, that John Williams and, and George Lucas aren't the only people that do that, but I feel like it's really something admiral to do admirable to do in a movie like this because mm-hmm. it's takes time it's not just um like they're not just randomly throwing in force things right. because it's star wars sounding it's like right. at these very particular times right yeah it's, yeah it's used it's very it's very thoughtful and used mm-hmm. to tell the story yeah uh one other song that i really like from this is um and it's really only a part of a song uh, and it just reminds me of a visual from the movie is the, um, I think they call it like the swim to Odaganga or something like that, um, mm. which is like when they follow Jar Jar into the water and they like cross over that like reef or something mm-hmm. uh, in like the lake and you see this huge city of like fluorescent bubbles in the water right. and like that the, like choral music plays and mm-hmm. you're like, it's just like so, um, I know. Is ethereal a good description of it? I don't know. Yeah. It's just like... It's just like... Uh, yeah, I just love the sound and the music together. Uh, the voices and the music together of that part. Um, yeah. It's just every time I hear that, I'm like picturing all those bright colored bubbles and it's just such a cool city um yeah i love that part i would say i think it somehow make it it, it feels like alien almost mm-hmm. yeah um yeah yeah just very unexpected yeah 
but yeah, those are pretty much my favorite parts from the soundtrack. Um, yeah, I that was the first time I really thought about Anakin's theme that way, because um, it's not really it's not really like a strong theme, because mm-hmm. I would say it only applies to him in this movie. I feel like mm-hmm. in no other movie could this could the sounds from Anakin's theme apply to Anakin other than his nine year old self. Mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones, he's too conflicted and. In Revenge of the Sith, he's like just pure evil now. Yeah, <laughs> twisted by the dark side. Well, um, I th- yeah, yeah, I, you know, it's it has a little bit of that innocence in it. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. um, you see that gets chipped away through the next two movies. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So we spent half an hour on two movies, and the other half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> on one movie. <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah. sort of Star Wars, so it's a yes, good thing we exactly. s- spent more time in the Star Wars. <laughs> uh, okay, anything to add about this movie, Matt, before we move on? No, I... Yeah, I I mean, it, it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but I definitely have grown to appreciate the fact that it brought in a whole new um, sound to mm, yeah. the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, and I think it did a really good job. You know, whether or not you like the, the digital photography and all that kind of mm. stuff that they did, that they tried to do in these movies, I, I definitely um, appreciate that they, that John Williams sat down and, and said, I want something new. Yeah. I want to create something, you know, that's different, um, but has the pieces from the original trilogy, you know, to tie it in. But I want something that's unique. And and to me, I think that that's really hard to do, you know, like you. And I mean, I'm sure that more astute listeners would be able to say, well, he took this from this and this from right. that and that yep. sort of thing. Exactly. But again, you know, to a movie goer, it was something that was new. It was... You know, I'm sure that if I was older and had been anticipating the Phantom Menace the way that some of the older Star Wars fans would have been, it would have just been so awesome to hear new Star Wars music. So, yeah. 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 That to me is the biggest thing is to is that he was able to do that. Yeah. Especially so. to think about how many things he's done. How do you come up with, like, how do you make it so different and yet so Star Wars? And yet, like, these don't belong in home alone or jurassic park or like it's very interesting how it could be like people walk by my desk and they're not like they're like are you listening to star wars like it's it's like very like people can tell it's star wars and not just like concerto and d minor or whatever right you know what i mean yeah 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 or maybe they just know me and know that i wouldn't listen to (laughs) concerto and d minor yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Okay, uh, let's do the random Star Wars fact of the podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. As you wish. I'm ready. So, so during the credits of uh, Phantom Menace, I thought it was appropriate to do a Phantom Menace mm-hmm. uh, fact, Jabba the Hutt is listed as being played by himself. 
<laughs> so there's a just, real job of the hut. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. But that reminded me, which I should have it just reminded me, so I didn't have time to do any research on it. Um <laughs> the guy that plays what is his name? The Twilek, uh that's like Jabba's main guy. What is his name? It's Jabba no Bada. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> what is his name? Uh, anyways, I'll think of it as soon as I hit stop recording. Um, <laughs> at the end of the Padres race, he like pokes Jabba to wake him up. <laughs> yeah, right. Apparently, that is um, one of the producers or something like that. They just like wanted to throw him into the movie at some point. Um, okay. And yeah, I thought that was interesting. They like threw the makeup on him and put him in the movie, but I don't know what he's poking because there's, oh, okay. there's anything. Uh, he's supposed to be poking Jabba, but I don't know what's actually there. <laughs> Yeah. himself i guess but. <laughs> anyways that is your random star wars fact of the podcast the force will be with you always maybe the maybe the producer's named jabba like he's a big <laughs> his, his parents were a big star wars fan what is that guy's name it's gonna bother me i gotta think right now how would i even look this up uh jabba's twilik, jabba's twilik. <laughs> coming with Jabba's Twi'lek dancer. Bib Fortuna. That's what it is. So it's like, isn't that like a song? Like, oh, Fortuna. <laughs> Won't you cry for me? <laughs> All right, let's see. Who played Bib Fortuna in Phantom Menace? Michael Carter. Nope. Uh, Matthew Wood. Who is Matthew Wood? Do you know? I have no idea. Sound editor. Uh, yeah, I guess he did sound design and editing for this movie. So that makes sense. Gotcha. Supervising sound editor. Skywalker sound. Anyways, so little tidbit for you. Tidbit nice. in the tidbit. <laughs> and that's it. So we got through, we got through uh, what, three decades now? 70s, 80s, and 90s. What is, uh, what do we got coming up here in the 2000s? In the, got, in the aughts. We got the Harry Potters. Um, of course we, got we got some Star Wars. Yep, two Star Wars. Um, oh, another Indiana Jones. I forgot about that. Oh. Catch Me If You Can. That'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. Minority Report. It's a lot of Star Wars and Harry Potter. Well, he only did the first three. Three, yeah. Okay. But all three of those are in 2000s. Mm-hmm. One... Two and four. Wow, they came out close together. War of the Worlds, Minority Report. So anything that Steven Spielberg put out. Yeah, and Tom Cruise also <laughs> was in. <laughs> so I'm seeing a pattern. <laughs> it's the Great Triumvirate. <laughs> hey, that's Rush. That's oh yes. Neil Pert. Are you ready to get some Neil Pert all up in you? <laughs> Prepare to be Russified. <laughs> Latris of the Men Jay. <laughs> See you later, Jobin. <laughs> Jobin? <laughs> Call me Pistol Michael Jew. Jobin. <laughs> Jobin. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen uh, that one. It's so good. It is so good. <laughs> uh, and on that note, thanks, Matt, for joining. Thanks, Jobin. <laughs> Catch you later, City Slicker. <laughs> I'll catch you later. I will see you then, or I will see you at another time. Time. <laughs> uh, 
we will see you then or we'll see you another time be safe be courteous bye bye